Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity Internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity, the future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network. And it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com. Ambush in Dallas. I'd ask all Americans to say a prayer for these officers. The race crisis in America. You can just feel the anxiety. This is a special presentation from KISS 104 and News 95.5 WSB and streaming live on WSBradio.com and KISS104FM.com. Welcome back to a special dual presentation uh, provided to you by KISS 104 and WSB Radio. As we broadcast live on both channels and on our websites and our apps, a time for our communities to come together and uh, just uh, let sink in what happened the last 72 hours from Baton Rouge to Minnesota and, of course, to the tragedy last night in Dallas. A distinguished panel of colleagues joins me on the program. I am Mark Aaron, by the way. Jennifer Kitt to my left. Clockwise around the dial, Mark Winnie from Channel 2 Action News, Condis Presley from News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, John and Monica Pearson. John, a uh, current law enforcement executive, has been in the law enforcement business for 35 years. And, of course, Monica Pearson, who needs literally no leads, <laughs> needs no introduction. Um, Mark Winnie's been covering the, uh, the protests in downtown Atlanta. I want to get a first-hand account from you, Mark, in just a second, but uh, joining us now on the phone, he uh, sends his regrets that he couldn't be here in person, but he was at one of those uh, multi-million dollar fundraisers. <laughs> he is our 9 to noon host, Mr. Herman Kane. Herman, thanks for joining us, brother. Happy to be with you, Mark, and the rest of the group. And you're right. Monica needs no introduction. And Mark Winnie, you're going to have to control the time that he talks. <laughs> <laughs> having, having been an MC at one of your events, I resemble that remark. Uh, uh, Herman, I, I haven't seen you in the last 72 hours. Yeah. Um, I know you were on vacation. You had to cut that short because of what's going on. Just, just if you could, uh, take us through what... what you've been thinking about and dealing with in the last 72 hours from Baton Rouge to Minnesota to Dallas last night? You mentioned something at the beginning of this segment that I totally agree with. The communities have got to come together. Secondly, we all recognize that there are some bad apples and some bad people in our communities, but we cannot allow that to continue to divide us. And thirdly, uh, yes, the solutions to some of the tension that we have experiencing throughout this country, uh, they have to be addressed at the local level. I've often said, if you want to solve a problem, go to the source closer to the problem. And that means that citizens have got to talk to, work with, and coordinate with their police departments. They can no longer view the police department and the people who are trying to protect them as their enemy. And the only way you're going to basically feel that they, the two are coming together such that the bad apples don't divide you, is that they're going to have to do a better job of communicating and working with one another. Those are the things I've been thinking about, and that is how do you reduce this tension? Because the solution is not going to come out of the current White House. The solution is not going to come out of Congress with a new law, and it's not going to result from any new gun control law. It's going to result from better communication and better coordination between the citizens and the police department. Amen. Herman, um, if, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners now what, what you shared with your listeners, they might not have heard 
um, the advice that you give to your children when it comes to dealing with law enforcement officers? I gave this advice. I call it message to my son. When my son was a teenager, and he and three of his black friends were going to a party in a different part of town, and the Holy Spirit actually touched my heart to give my son this message. He'd gone to parties before, but with three of his very mouthy friends, uh, I think they were probably about 11th or 12th grade, and I said to him, I said, Vincent, I said, uh, I want you to remember a couple of things. First of all, if you get stopped, tell your three friends to shut up. <laughs> Secondly, if you get stopped and you ask to show insurance and registration, you tell the police officer where it is and that you would like to get it. You show it. I said, you don't even have to be doing anything wrong, and you might get stopped. He was in a brand new, not brand new, a black, shiny uh, SUV that I was allowing him to drive, and he was a good kid, and he got stopped that night, as, as I thought he might. Mm -hmm. He followed those instructions. The police officers let him go, no incident or anything like that. I don't think we do enough in explaining to our sons and daughters, as well as some others out there, respect the police, and most of them will respect you. I know we're we are living in a supercharged political time right now. Um, it, it seems to me we're we're perhaps more separated than we've ever been. But let me ask you this, Herman: Is it possible for people to feel horrible about what happened to Alton Sterling, to feel horrible about what happened with Philandro Castile, and to also feel horrible about what happened to the Dallas police officers? Is that even possible in 2016? It is possible. And I describe it as when events started to happen that were stirring the racial pot, stirring the tension between police and citizens, a lot of people would feel the pain of whatever family lost that loved one, whether they were doing something right or whether they were doing something wrong. And what has happened, Mark, because we have had so much of this, a lot of people are feeling horrible and they're feeling the pain. And that pain is turning into tears. This whole country is in pain. Its heart hurts. And a lot of people are crying because they are feeling what these families are feeling across this country. I believe that we can heal from it. But I believe that there's a sense of horribleness all over this country. That healing might have started last night and the peaceful protests on the street of Atlanta. And they continue today. Channel 2's Mark Winnie uh, was downtown covering uh, the march today that started just off of Centennial uh, Olympic Park. What did you see? What did you hear? What's your immediate reaction well, to? I was, I was not covering the march principally. Okay. I, I, I was covering how police departments around Metro Atlanta are reacting to this situation. And, you know, I think that what I'm hearing a lot of, I talked to the police chief in Roswell on the north side, police chief in Clayton County on the south side, and the chief George Turner, all of them one-on-one, -on -one, and then Clarence Cox from the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. And I think the common theme is they all believe we got to build bridges. And that goes back to what, what Herman just said, what, what you asked him. I mean, yeah, you can love one another. Yeah, you can pray for your enemies. Yeah, there are ways to come together. But we've got to we've got to heal this divide. Let, let me throw out a question for you guys, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I, look, my job 
is not only not to give my political opinions, it's I am paid not to give my political opinions, but I am paid to ask questions, too. So I want to ask you guys, you think there's anybody out there, any, either of the presumptive nominees, right, who can bring this country together? Seriously. Yes. Explain, Herman. I believe that's Donald Trump, and I make no bones about it, and here's why. He is a leader, a fighter, and a winner. He gets hit with a lot of the negative spoon-fed stuff that people want him to believe. But I also believe that he's a healer. On the way here to this fundraiser that I'm attending for a guy who's running to replace Lynn Westmoreland, his name is Drew Ferguson, running for Congress, I read an article by Donald Trump's son-in-law, who is married to his daughter, Ivanka. And his son-in-law, who is Jewish, told the story about his grandmother was killed in the Holocaust. He talks about how his father-in-law is big-hearted, is not racist, is not bigoted, and he has such a big heart. Donald Trump just hasn't had an opportunity to pull this nation together. I believe he can do it. The reason that I don't believe that Hillary Clinton can do it is because she runs on divisive politics. She surrounds herself with people that are divisive. She plays the race card. She plays the class warfare card. This is a very consistent theme, and that helps to send the wrong message to a lot of young people out there as well as a lot of families who are struggling just trying to make it. So of the two, hands down, my opinion is Donald Trump because I don't think a lot of people really know uh, the abilities that he has in order to help bring this country together. On a more fundamental level, I'm going to tell you that what happened in Dallas, I pretty much heard across the board, will change policing. Um, the it, it will certainly change planning for policing big events. Uh, it will also change policing, I, I, I think, in other ways. Actually, yeah. the, the Clayton County chief put it like this. You know, traditionally, we have looked in, now we have to look out. You know, you, you established a perimeter. Well, now you've got to look outside uh, the perimeter. The Roswell chief also indicated they may have had a copycat incident last night. Mm -hmm. I, I was telling you guys earlier. He sent a text about 1236, he told us, where he warned his night shift commander uh, to pass on a warning to the troops about what happened in Dallas. About 18 minutes later, and he showed me the text, they had a, uh, had a shot fired. Officer believes it was fired at him from a passing car. Um, and the chief is concerned, as he expressed, his, expressed it to us, that it was a copycat incident. But, but uh, let me reiterate also, and I think this needs to go for... Uh, for both sides on on both of these issues um, that is the shooter in Dallas last night was not a uh, a, a leader of the black lives movement he was uh, a lone wolf uh, the the person that shot at uh, the Roswell officer yesterday I'm sure was just a lone wolf um, much like every police officer isn't bad Everyone that is in the black... Now look, man, I didn't hear anybody <laughs> suggest uh, or any police officer come you know, within a mile of suggesting that either of them or that this guy in Roswell had any connection uh, to any group. But just as... Look how ISIS operates. They self-radicalize people. Sure. Okay? What, what's frightening about ISIS is... You know, there's not the usual chatter you had out there with like Al-Qaeda. 
So I think now what's happening in the world of social media, I mean, we don't know what is animating individuals, uh, you know, what is percolating in, in their, their minds uh, on their own. Look, none of these chiefs that I talked to were about blaming people. Uh, they were more about changing uh, the way we operate, including changing the way that police interact and communicate with the community. And let me add one last comment, Mark and gang, if you don't mind. See, the public, if they have the right communication and coordination with the police officers, they can be some additional sets of eyes out there. The police officers can't do it all. The departments can't do it all. If we are going to come together and bring communities together between citizens and police officers, citizens are going to have to feel comfortable in being some extra set of eyes out there in order to be able to help stop some of the lone wolves, the bad people, and the, and the people who want to be troublemakers to try to divide us. But, Herman, you've also got to remember that among the, the youngest of the folks we see these days, snitching is something they believe in. You yeah. know, not snitching is something. So you've got to start a mindset of trust. And in yep. many communities, people will not talk to the police, not only because they're afraid of the police, but they're afraid of their neighbors. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And one of the reasons that they feel that way is because they don't have those relationships and have built those bridges that uh, someone mentioned earlier. Uh, what, what I noticed just in the last um, not even 24 hours since the, the Dallas thing uh, broke occurred yesterday, the tragedy and the ambush we we had 48 hours ago um black parents warning their or their children hey be careful out there you you know just take extra special care give them an extra hug and a kiss and then 24 hours later we have all my police officer friends and their their spouses saying the same thing be careful out there right. please proceed it, it's it's we are so alike um, yes. it, it's amazing how, how big the divide is. That's an excellent point. We Thank you, so Lord. Right. And we're getting feedback, and I don't know how much time we have please, until please. the break. We are, we are getting some feedback, Mark, on Facebook, and it shows how much we have in common and yet how great the divide is. So uh, one of our KISS listeners, Dee, who is uh, in, the, in the community, says she doesn't know what to say to her 23-year-old daughter or to her students mm -hmm. because she's a teacher when she goes back to school in August, she says, nothing is safe anymore. And yet we have one of the SB listeners who's, who argues that this panel and this discussion is biased because you as a mother, Jennifer, you guys as parents, are not the only ones who are telling their kids how to be careful when they go out. And as Herman told the very same story, uh, what to wear, where to go, who to hang out with. And by the way, I was talking to my teenagers today, Emily says, and let them know that not all black people hate us. They don't have to see, uh, have to have seething or loathing just under the surface. You just have to, you know. Again, what we're not talking about is talking to one exactly. another. Yeah, exactly. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. Um, we've been neglecting the phone callers, so I believe uh, Cassius is on line five. Cassius, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you doing? Excellent. What's on your mind? Great, great, great. I just to say, I think we're all sort of overlooking the root cause. I, I'm really surprised you guys turned it into a political statement by letting Herman get that in because I listen to him in the, every morning. 
about Trump. Uh, but regardless, we're overlooking the root cause. Uh, there have been, you know, so many incidents leading up to now that have caused so m- many issues in the black community. And let me just give you one. Swanee Goodman and Cheney were killed in Mississippi. You know how many black bodies they found just looking for Swanee Goodman and Cheney? Forty-five plus. Nobody talks about that. You can talk about Black Tulsa. You can talk about Rosewood. You can talk about, go look at the free state of Jones. Um, just talk about all, all of this has led up to now. And until we sit down and really talk about what the root cause is and resolve root cause, we can't move forward. I have white, black, yellow, brown friends. I love them all. Mm-hmm. I looked at the, the, uh, 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 the protesters last night. There were many blacks, I mean, many whites. And there were black. That, that was, thank you for the call, Cassius. I, I was watching the uh, the Channel 2 reporters following the, the protest march downtown, and it was like, you remember the Benetton ads in the 80s? It was a rainbow. It was yeah. a total, true rainbow. And, and again, kudos, um, I think, I haven't heard anything from today, but two days in a row, very peaceful protest. Um, but then again, I, I keep going back to the same thing. It does no good to march if you do not have a plan of action to change things. You've got to get these kids registered to vote, and then they have to vote, and then they need to become involved in the political process. But let me push back on Cassius real quick because I do have to run. Yes, Cassius, I agree we have not addressed the root cause. Part of the root cause is not just the economic conditions in some of these some of these cities and some of these inner cities and some of these communities that are predominantly black, they have got to do something themselves to help solve these problems. And that means that they have to learn and begin to want to reach out to the police officer. There are a lot of problems that are systemic in some of these communities that aren't being talked about. And they, you know, some people want to blame the government for not doing A, B, and C. But some of these solutions have to start in those communities with the people who live in those communities. I'm not mad at y'all. I just get passionate about that. Herman, you know, <laughs> I emceed a domestic violence shelter uh, benefit where you spoke, and I was moved by, you know, your faith message. I'm kind of surprised that you have not brought that into this discussion. Well, only because of time and only because of the way the questions have been going, because, you know, you're right. My faith is a very big part of me and my family and things I believe in and things that I do. And what that brings up, Mark, is the fact that some people are so concerned about being politically correct. We've got an attack on our faith. We've got an attack on religion. We've got an attack on God. We've got an attack on the church. Every time you turn around, somebody is offended by something because uh, they want to claim that it violates the separation of church and state. They don't understand what that means. So they use that to try to intimidate people to not recognize and talk about their faith. So I'm glad you brought it up. That is a big part of how I think we are going to be able to come together and stay together as communities. But we barely go to church together. We barely talk about our faith together. We use one of the last bastions of segregation. Other than the cemetery. De facto segregation. (laughs) Jews nugget. Those are true statements. But, you know, let me just use my circle of people that I work with. My radio show team and I, we talk about our faith with one another. The people in my office, we talk about our faith. 
So it, you know, and we go to different churches and we might have different religions. So, you know, I, I agree with you that's probably one of the most seg- segregated hours in America at 11 o'clock on Sundays. You, I don't disagree with that. That is the case. But that doesn't mean that we cannot mention the importance of faith in uh, some of our messages that we're trying to get over to some of the folk. Well, I think the police chief today, I was so proud of him in Dallas, talked mm-hmm. about the power of prayer. Absolutely. And he asked for prayer. Yeah. But then that gets back to our young people. And that man knows loss. I was reading to yes. that his son was a victim of violence and succumbed, and he lost a partner also to violence. Yes. So, you know, I was talking to George Turner today. I interviewed him one-on-one. Actually, it's one of his most compelling interviews. Um, But uh, later he updated me that he had talked to his friend through the Major Cities Chiefs Association, the uh, the chief in Dallas. And as as he was updating me about the conversation, as he walked away, the chief turned to me and he said, and I sent him my prayers and support. Mark Winnie, Channel 2 Action News. Herman, enjoy your fundraiser. Enjoy your weekend. We will be eagerly awaiting your return to the airwaves 9 a.m. on Monday morning, my friend. Thanks, gang. Thanks for having me. All right. Herman came there. We're going to come back. We will take more of your calls and uh, read more of your action on our Facebook and Twitter pages. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Mark Aram, Jennifer Kitt, Mark Winnie, Condis Presley, and the Pearsons. John and Monica. Special broadcast on News 95.5. And AM 750 WSB. Ambush in Dallas. I'd ask all Americans to say a prayer for these officers. The race crisis in America. You can just feel the anxiety. This is a special presentation from KISS 104 and News 95.5 WSB. And streaming live on WSBradio.com and KISS104FM.com. Welcome back to the show at 835.25 in front of 9 o'clock. Mark Aram with a distinguished panel discussing... Uh, the ambush in Dallas, the race crisis in America, developing here in Atlanta. Uh, tweet from Channel 2 Action News. Hundreds, if not more than a thousand people are being held back trying to get onto the downtown connector at William Street. Apparently, the uh, protest is um, was trying to get onto I-75, I-85, much like they did last night. Even though the mayor asked. Asked them not to. Uh, Georgia State, State Patrol now blocking that ramp. Um, keep it right here. We'll have... The very latest on that uh, situation. Hopefully, it uh, will remain a very peaceful protest. Uh, joining me tonight, Jennifer Kitt, Mark Winnie, Condis Presley, and the Pearsons, John and Monica. Before you go away from Please. that, talking about that generation again, instead of getting people to listen to them, by blocking the expressway, they cause people to to, I don't want to say despise, but to just think they're a bunch of brats. People trying to get home after yeah. a long day of work. So it, it doesn't win them right. any help. Yeah. What it wins them is animosity. Mm-hmm. Provocation for the sake of provocation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is my concern with yeah. everything that's going on. The way Jennifer and John have been talking about, about us talking, we can't talk if we can't follow instructions. Absolutely. A simple request from the mayor, demonstrate. But don't block the expressway. Is that a lack of leadership? Where are the John Lewises of this generation? Now, that's a good point. Now, don't get me started on that. (laughs) Because John Lewis and Andy Young, well, we adore them and appreciate them. Many young people do not. They see them as ancient history they don't understand what those men went through Mm -hmm. for them to get the right to demonstrate the way that they are 
They don't have the leadership. This is their leadership. Tweeting, Facebooking. Sure. And not sitting down and talking and learning how to do things the right way. And and that is, you're holding up your phone, that is yeah. a powerful tool, which you would think would be used. For good. For good. And, and, and helping make these demonstrations more powerful than they are. For but to some extent, yes, 404-872-0750, to some extent, the phone is being used for good because we get to have this conversation. We are calling more attention to these atrocities that are happening in various cities across the United States because people see something, and as they get ready to say something, they're turning on the phone and they're recording something. That's, That's the good point. side. It's me, a double-edged sword. Monica and Mark, you, you guys have been in the news business um, a couple of years more than me. Um, the, the, 37 years. The development of, of what we've seen in the last 72 hours, the video taken in Baton Rouge, yeah. the video taken in Minnesota, the, the video last night of the gun battles, um, is, this, is this good for the... For, for, the average citizen to get this information the way it's coming out now? Well, the truth will set you free. Yeah. And uh, let's look at the Walter Scott case. It's the most clear-cut example because that was the most telling video. That video, what, John, probably set law enforcement back years because it confirmed the suspicions that many people had. Even if some of those were uh, unwarranted suspicions, it made everything else look legitimate suddenly sure. Sure. uh so look at that yeah we there's now a murder indictment correct yes so without that justice doesn't have the same shot if i can go back years though we we had video with rodney king mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as african-americans I, I i wonder we've had video for quite some time and yet we still come to these same kinds of conclusions so while video yes, is very powerful, and it's moving, and it's telling, and it's pushing us in a dynamic. We've had video for a very long time. Not the penetration. Okay, but we're still getting the same results, though, right? So we're seeing literally people being shot on air, and we're still at the same place. When are we going to wake up? I I think the the transformation has begun. I I think if it doesn't change what we saw... uh, this week with with the videos taken uh, in Baton Rouge and, and in Minnesota. I mean, this is it. And and everyone, ha- Mark Winnie has an, a smartphone. I have two. Two <laughs> smartphones, excuse me. Four, speaking of phones, let's go to the phones. 404-872-0750. Don joins us on the program. Don, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah I would, first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for uh, sharing your greatest blessings that we all share. And that's our time, our talents, and our opportunities. I think we're all accountable for those, for what we do with them and what we don't do with them. I want to thank you guys for what you're doing tonight. Thank you. Um, uh, This is kind of special to me. Um, uh, I was a fifth grader uh, when uh, forced integrated busing started, and we were very afraid. And I think some of the motivating parts of what's going on is fear, not only hate, but fear. And when that fear turns to hate, it really... It really hit, hits us all at our core, and and we're taught where I was taught, you know, that that the only way to overcome fear is with faith, and and to overcome worry is with hope, and 
uh, thank you guys for for bringing that. God bless you, man. Thank you. You just encapsulated the solution, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much for the call, Don. Uh, Tony joins us next on the program. Hello, Tony. Well, good evening, uh, Mark and crew. This is an honor to speak with everyone this evening. Um, My uh, question is directed toward uh, Mr. John Pearson. Um, I was reading an article uh, in the AJC by uh, Mr. Torby, who happened to uh, interview uh, Major Jeff Glazer of the uh, Southside Zone uh, 3. And he was asked uh, very specifically um, by Torby if... uh, he believed in the so-called Ferguson effect. And I would just like to get your take on the so-called Ferguson effect. Is it real? Does it exist? I mean, what is going on with law enforcement? Can you define, feel define the Ferguson that? effect? I mean, yeah, relative to the Ferguson effect. I mean, is it something that is real out there? Well, Tony, what, is, what exactly is the Ferguson effect? Where uh, officers are fearful of, you know, actually going and doing their job um, for fear that they're going to be targeted, um, you know, much like, you know, this uh, uh, officer maybe in Valdosta today. All right. The f- thanks for the call, Tony. I, I, Tony, I, I think that that's a that, that's a very real concern um, because you know at the end of the day, officers are, are people also, and and officers want to be able to do their job to the best of their ability. They want to be able to go home safe, and and they don't want to be the target of controversy. Um, and so I think that you're finding that some officers are being less proactive in their policing. Some officers are will be hesitant to uh, engage at times. But I, I think that that impact is, and I hope that it's more temporary than anything else, because at the end of the day, you know, police officers love what they do, and they have an obligation to always, always protect the public. And 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 although we will have those concerns and we'll think about it, but then we'll get back to that place of knowing that we've got to be willing to in, in engage our communities and do what's right by the communities. So I heard is that reluctance why? to engage today from a police chief. I heard oh, about really? that today. So what about uh, the cameras, police cameras? Does that make the officer cover their rear better? I think in some situations it may make an officer um, think about, think twice about what his action is going to be. But when you get to that place where you have to have a, a physical response to a situation, I think the officers are still going to do what's necessary to use the force necessary to control that that particular situation. The first time I met a police officer, Mrs. Fedor's class, first grade, <laughs> police officer came in, and it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. You know, this this tall, hulking man that was sweet and gentle and and told us that if we were ever in trouble he'd be there for them does that still go on does do do we have outreaches like that where law enforcement officers go to grade schools and make that first great impression we absolutely do and we have officers that are like that you know unfortunately um, currently the news is focusing on some of the other officers who, who, who don't represent that. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, I think that the majority of the police officers who are on the street are like that, that officer. In my case, it was Officer Ed. Yeah. You know, he, he came and he talked to us about, uh, um, about his willingness to protect us and all the things we could do to be safe. And that still happens. I, I don't know that, that we are embraced in the same way that, 
they, uh, when I was in school and when you were in school, I don't know that officers are, are consistently embraced that way because of the high visibility of some of the negative things that some officers have done. But, but uh, that stuck with me. I won't tell you how many years ago, but I can still right. remember that. Right. I, I mean, it was. But Mark, yes, what kids are seeing now right. is going to stick with them. Right. Sure. Yeah. The four-year-old girl in the, the four-year-old of the child yeah. who was in the car when her father was killed. That's going to be with her the rest of her life. Yes. And she's going to be slow to be receptive to that officer oh, yeah. that comes to her school. There's no question. Right. Let me ask you this, and I've discussed this on my show many times. Um, there are there are bad people in the radio business. There are bad people in television. There are bad insurance salesmen. There are bad car repair men. Bad doctors. There are bad, bad people lawyers. in every profession. Mm-hmm. Can we not just recognize that there are some bad police officers out there and that they don't uh, they aren't doing what they should do on a day to day basis? Yesterday, Chris Stewart, the Atlanta lawyer who has achieved a lot of notoriety uh, for his representation of the victims of uh, police use of force cases, he told me, quote, most cops are fantastic, unquote. And he specifically said it's the few bad apples without who or who ignore their training i think he said exactly. mm-hmm. uh who who cause a problem and yeah you and i know that we're when we're out on the street we deal with the the expectations or the prejudices brought about about reporters by the lowest common denominator sure. in our business i mean that's that's true with police it's it's true with a lot of professions but but we recognize that i will tell you there are bad people in this building on the radio and TV side. That's just the way of life. I find it, um, I, I can't get law enforcement, I don't know if it's the, the, the blue code or whatever you call it, they won't admit there are ba- some bad officers out there. A, a, a small fraction, but there, I mean, it's just, it's going to happen. There are bad people in every Hey, there's some pretty, progr- there's, uh, and John knows them, I mean, there are, there are some very effective and dedicated internal mm-hmm. affairs investigators, you know, uh, across the metro area and, and, they recognize and they go after it. You know, and I think absolutely um, police departments and police managers and executives realize that there are, are bad police officers. Um, and and I, I think that when a, a police executive realizes that he's got a bad officer, he does everything in his power to uh, get rid of that officer. Um, but again, at the end of the day, we have to play by a set of rules. Mm-hmm. And I guess that that's what makes it, it, it it's so important what we do. And when you have bad officers, it just is magnified because people expect law enforcement officials to be the cream of the Correct. crop. We are supposed to be the yeah. example. And when we, when we refuse to do that, when some officers refuse to do that, it, 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 that the significance of that whole experience is magnified. But are there, to, to Mark's point, there are some law enforcement executives who give safe harbor to police officers with troubled <clears throat> records, aren't there? I, I think that that was more, more of the case in years past. I think because of the cell phones and everybody having, you know, I, I think that the most executives really understand the negligent retention and, and, yeah. and they absolutely are, are trying to get rid of people that if, if they're not doing the job the way that they're supposed to with the level of integrity that is expected, 
then you know I I I want to think that that most I think that would be yeah. certainly true for most of the yeah. most of the law enforcement executives. And we have some real leaders uh, absolutely sure. right now. We, and 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 for the record, I think ninety nine point nine percent of the law enforcement officers out there would risk their life to save my life, to save your life, to save your life. It, it's just you know, and like much like any profession, there there's a couple of bad uh, apples that will spoil there, the bunch. There are thousands of officers who, as we speak, you know, have put on their vest and put on uh, their belt, and they are out there accepting that possibility that they will tonight have to interpose themselves Correct. between you and me and those who would do us harm. Jennifer Kitt, Mark Winnie, Condis Presley, John and Monica Pearson, thank you so much for uh, for this groundbreaking broadcast, uh, two-hour special. Thank you, buddy. And this is on uh, 90 Minutes of Sleep. <laughs> um, we were going to do this again, hopefully under better circumstances, but I love connecting the KISS audience and the WSB radio audience together. Yeah. And uh, Channel 2 Action News. And Channel 2 Action News, the news leader, of course. News, weather, traffic next, the very latest on the protest in downtown. Uh, and then Clark Howard, the Mark Aram Show, coming up at 10 p.m. Stick around for that. Absolutely. Have a peaceful night, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity. The future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network. And it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com.